Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 91. Today we're talking about PET. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls ages 7 and 10. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you are here today. I have a really cool episode with you. I am talking to Larissa Dan, parent effectiveness training teacher and mom, and she's going to talk about, she's going to tell you some really cool stories about how this respectful form of communication and parenting works with um, even mediating conflicts with toddlers and how it gives kids an inner sense of self-worth. And we even talk about why children don't misbehave. So I know that you are going to like this a lot. We are here in this uh, world here at mindfulmamamentor.com, which is the new URL. We've been kind of playing around with stuff here, so I'm happy to announce that we have a new website URL, mindfulmamamentor.com. And of course, the podcast is at mindfulmamapodcast.com. But anyway, here at at mindfulmamamentor.com, should you head over there, we have some things going on this 
time of year, if you're listening in real time, if you're in the future, hello, so cool. And what is going on in real time is that I'm going to be enrolling my Mindful Mama Transformation group coaching program soon, and there will be either one or several groups. And this is a six-month program for a small group of women who are really interested in creating a sisterhood that's all about transformation bit by bit through the ups, through the downs, and creating strong habits, learning to transform your communication with your kids and, and your life. It's really very powerful. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out over under work with me. And there's a link to that group coaching. I have no new iTunes reviews. If you want to support the podcast, I would love it if you would leave an iTunes review, take a few moments for that. And now on to this episode. So I'm so excited to have Larissa Dan, who is a parent whose passion is parent education on the podcast today. She writes on these topics such as as parenting in, in the all ages and stages. And we're really going to look at all ages and stages here. And I found um, her blog, When My Baby Sparts a, Sprouts a Beard, which I really like. And, and we'll link over to that to that blog in the show notes. So thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast today, Larissa. Oh, thank you for the opportunity, Hunter. I do appreciate being there, being here. Yeah. <laughs> On yeah. the other side of the world. I know. We are talking from, from Larissa's in Australia and I'm just South Philadelphia. So gosh, we are far away. But <laughs> it's so cool. We get to hang out and talk. It's really lovely. Um, so tell me about, tell me a little bit about what you were writing about in that, in that blog post that I found you with that when my baby sprouts a beard, tell me, tell me what was going on. Tell, tell the listener what was going on there. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> I think it was a reflection on being a parent, well, being a mom particularly, and, um, my son was leaving the country. He's leaving the country for a minimum of two years. And I just wanted to reflect on my love for him and my, um, from bringing him, from bringing him into the world and completely besotted with him from the time he emerged to now, really. Um, and I just, uh, I suppose I found that writing that blog just helped me think back to how he, how, just what it was like to have him as a baby and the, then the toddler years and middle years and teenage years and to watch him grow and, and blossom and, um, grow that independence so um and finally enough to be able to leave and follow his passion mm. um was it hard to let him go uh yes and no it, um I don't know if you can ever prepare yourself um he as you know, with PET, it sort of helps with the skills. So um, the parenting skills of PET are very intentional. And let's, part um, of- 
Let's, I just want to interject here. If you could explain to the listener, what is PET? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Never take anything for granted. Um, So PET is um, parenting, a set of parenting skills and a pet, really it's a parenting approach that I, that I came across when my son was just eight months old. Mm-hmm. So um, and when I did the co- so I did it as a course so it's an eight week course and I did it as a mum I knew nothing about being a parent except the way that I'd been parented and I was also um, not a young parent and um, so I wanted to do things right and so I came across this approach and it just turned me 180 degrees in terms of how I would approach parenting and how I saw children. So it's, it's basically it's an approach based on respect, on seeing your child as a person, deserving of the respect, the same respect as your neighbour or your best friend. And, and that's how I see it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and having that sense of separateness. So I've been reflecting a lot lately on something I'm... I'm uh, another blog I'd like to write and but it's really about having that sense of separateness and um, so that comes from there's a couple of models in the pet approach the foundation of pet approach I think which really helps in and so for me that's about um, who owns the problem so whether it's me whether I'm upset whether it's my child, whether we're both, or whether there's no problem. And the model's really useful because from that, it's a scaffold as to which skills I will use in each specific situation. So it helps me not, it helps me respond rather than react. So you said, um, you said that the, um, parent effectiveness training was you saw what the way you look at it is seeing your um, child as a whole person just like a a deserving of respect just like a neighbor or a friend and someone might say well I don't know about this model but they might someone might listen to you say that and think well I I see my child my child as a whole person uh, worthy of respect yet um, a lot of our kind of more conventional ways of parenting don't actually um, show that. And I wonder if you could talk to a little bit about that. Like how, how does how do the how does this contrast with the conventional ways that you know you see this as the way that shows respect as the whole person? How do these other ways not show respect to the child as a whole person? I think because pet shares the power of a relationship. So um, the whole basis of pet is building a strong relationship because this is what you've got to last your whole life and this is what you will have to influence your child um, in the big decisions they're going to make in life. And the way that pet looks at it is that uh, as opposed to conventional parenting methods, um pet I would see as a relationship-based parenting method and it's very democratic so it's very inclusive of both the parent and the child's needs it's not permissive it doesn't it doesn't um allow the the child all the power and it doesn't give the parent all the power conventional parenting um 
comes from a different approach and that's known as the behavioural approach. And um, what that looks at is changing a child's behaviour and it does that, in my view, in conventional parenting. um, When we're unhappy with a child's behaviour, if it's a conventional parenting approach, what we'll do to try and change that behaviour is through using rewards or punishment. So we're trying to get our child to do what we think is best and we're going to do that by um, an external means of control, I suppose, by saying, well, if you do that, you'll get a reward or you'll get a punishment. And and in that way, the child um, will change their behaviour out of, well, either out of fear or out of need. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't, I don't think, it, and it may not enhance the relationship. And so for me what I'm aiming for with PET is an internal discipline, and that's through that relationship approach. It's through problem solving with your children so that they're, they, um, they're looking at um, how their behaviour might be affecting other people Mm-hmm. And they're also looking at um, meeting their own needs and not doing something at the expense of their own needs. Whereas I think with conventional behavioural approaches to parenting, where we might use uh, like the, ty- the, the types of punishment I'm talking about are things like consequences, I'm going to take away your iPad or time out, which is really isolating children from relationships I could give you a whole spiel on time out and why I think it's not so good um, <laughs> can you give us the quick version I'm curious I'm sure everybody's curiosity is piqued about this why why not <laughs> yeah because timeouts it, it's seen as the um uh the so, the um the the punishments that's not a punishment but it is in my view so And I've got a whole um, blog that will detail it much better than I'll be able to give it to you now. But basically time out, I think, is relational isolation. Mm. Um, And that's how Daniel Seagal sees it. I'm actually not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, like whole brain child and no drama discipline. Daniel Seagal. Yeah, I think as far as I know. (laughs) Yep, yep. So... um, and, it, and it's about isolation and ostracizing, really. So when we put children in timeout, we're sort of saying, well, you're not part of this family for this amount of time. And brain studies now show that the pain that children feel, it goes a lot in the same brain pathways as physically hitting them. Mm. And it's interesting, preparing for this interview, I, I've you know, I, I've written down a whole heap of, of um, incidents with my children and I came across this incident where my daughter was just, we were just having fun time um, around the dinner table and she's four, just four, and she says to me, you don't exist, you don't exist. And what happened for me was gobsmacking in that I turned bright red Uh, My eyes went downcast. I felt like crying and I just wanted to shrivel up and go away. 
because I had I didn't exist. And and um, so this is me, an adult. I'm meta-analyzing my emotions as they happen. And I thought, well, wow, if I'm feeling that and my daughter is just having fun, what must it be like for a child who doesn't, who's not an adult, um, for a child who doesn't have that experience, who probably doesn't even know what they've done um, and they've been isolated. And um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think it's quite mm-hmm. deep. And I don't yeah. I doubt. I doubt that they're going to be thinking, oh, I must improve my behaviour. I suspect they'll be thinking, A, I don't know what I've done. B, why are they so angry with me? C, I'm going to, I really hate my mum and dad or dad. Um, So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a good idea. And I think there's enough evidence now to show that it can do more harm than good in terms of relationship and in terms of changing behavior. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. So you learned about parent effectiveness training. You learned about um, parenting, you know, with a a democratic, peaceful, respect-based parenting, learning, learned how to parent without reward and punishment when your son was eight months old. Yep. Just amazing. And so you were able to bring that into your life and, and probably teaching it, you were able to bring it into your life even more. And of course, learning even, even better than, than ever. And one of the things that you wrote about in your blog about your son, it was that he, he has 
he's he has all reflected on being raised in this respectful way and as now as a young adult and and i'm wondering what did he say how did he how did he reflect on his experience being raised by you in this way um and i think that's he came to one of my classes is that what you're yeah so he came to my class and we often talk about it as well I also have a 15, I have a daughter as well, a teenage daughter, um, and we talk about the pet way because they're in a position, I suppose, where they see uh, non-pet families. Mm-hmm. Um, so in his reflection, I, I think I was quite interested to see him talk about our relationship and um how he felt that he could come to me and talk to me so um and I'll just say just preface this in this in this interview in terms of he's saying I asked him to come in and talk to a group of parents that I was teaching at the time Mm -hmm. and he came in and he sort of relaxed into the chair and they just asked him a myriad of questions and um he I think he just reflected on yeah how how it perhaps helped him through his life in terms of friendships and in terms of our relationship and he has he and his sister are very very close um he and I are close um and we have a warm and respectful relationship and I think that's what he reflected on but he's also picked up the skills and he teaches and um, um, he, he teaches an instrument. And so with his students, he, um, he uses, for example, active listening a lot. And he told the, the parents at my course about how as soon as he would active listen, it would change the behaviour of, of the student and how they could, um, yeah, settle down to learn their instrument for whatever was happening at that time. And I suppose he just respects them as well as people. Mm. Once. Um, and also um, my daughter also comes in to mm. other classes that I do. I don't know. We started doing this when she was um, oh, a younger teenager. Um, and I don't know. The parents just ask her questions. The participants ask ask her questions and she just answers and mostly it's about relationship it's about knowing what the skills are um and we use so we talk about the skills we talk about so the the specific skills that we use in active listening uh, in in pet um they're just communication skills but they're skills like listening active listening which is about recognizing the feeling and the facts you know recognizing the whole experience and feeding that back and now it's been given words like emotion coaching or labeled as emotion coaching Mm. it also looks at um uh, being assertive but in a way that doesn't blame so keeping that maintaining that relationship through using i messages and i messages would be something like when i see this behavior i feel because this is the effect it has on me so 
when I see the toys on the floor, I feel concerned that I may trip over and hurt myself. That would be a non-blameful iMessage. And we also look at problem solving, so involving both the child and yourself in, in the solution. And my children, I suppose, have, been, have grown up with this and with this language. Um, and so we can use this language to repair relationships, for example. So I'm going off track, but I, I'm not a perfect parent. And I think that's one of the great things about PET. It's sort of, it helps you be a person and a human being yourself and you throw off that mantle of being a perfect parent. And, um, and sometimes I'm so not the perfect parent, I'm so embarrassed and I might just lose it. Um, but what I have at my disposal then is um, the ability to come back and say, wow, I just used, I just said this to you. I used what, what we call them perhaps a you message. I just um, blamed you. And instead what I really wish I'd said I'd done was I wish I'd used this I message and this is what I meant to say. And then I'll use lots of active listening. So I must have really hurt you when I said this and then I apologise. Mm. Um, mm. so I suppose that's how we put pet into practice a bit and so you, that's cool that you both of your children have have come and they've talked about it and they're and they have grown up with these tools so they are able to use it I mean that's um that's a you know that's a, a question you know that we think about like when we're thinking about how we parent will will we be able to sort of break the habit of the generations of that that the habit of the blaming and the shaming that is conventionally used and and be able to start something new with a new generation it's interesting because it it's it's hard work for us parents who are trying to shift maybe the way from the way we were raised to a way that is respectful. Um, but then hopefully we make it that much easier for the next generation. Was this really different from the way uh, you were raised uh, as a child? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I was raised in the conventional way, which was... Um, uh, lots of rewards, lots of praise, but also punishment, uh, smacking, etc. Um, so, yeah, this that's why I say it was sort of like 180 degrees. And it was also uh, children, I was sort of raised with children are lovely, but as long as they have their place and they need to be, do what they're told and they need to be obedient and compliant. Um and I think PET takes a different tack, which is um, it helps children develop a really good, uh, a sense of self-worth with compassion. So they, they feel they have um, an inner sense of self-worth, but and at the same time, it's not like it's at the expense of anyone else. It's a sense of self-worth and compassion for others at the same time. That's how I see an outcome of pet. And that, that I think is different from that, the sort of conventional outcomes because the conventional outcomes, I mean, if, if we look at like the work, I mean, for me, when I look at the work that I do with women, with moms, that there is an, uh, an, an epidemic of people who have 
whose self-worth is, is low, who, who, who don't mm. feel worthy of so many things. And there's a lot of, there's an epidemic of, you know, that an inner voice that is shaming and blaming and harsh inside so many women and so mm. many parents. And then it's, becomes hard when we have when we have that inner sense of like uh, unacceptance of ourselves and and maybe not not good enough feeling in ourselves that it becomes really hard to then accept and, and deal with our kids and and whatever they're going through right and and so this this alternative way you're saying is like helping them with an inner sense of self-worth which is amazing is so beautiful so was this was this really um was it hard for you to start to shift I mean you started when your son was a baby so you were like kind of practicing when he was really young but was it was it hard did did you know did your parents voice come out of your mouth sometimes (laughs) I mean you said you're not perfect but (laughs) I so aren't I'm so not um and it was hard and it's interesting because my son was so young, so I could start that way. But And at the same token, I didn't have a lot. There was not a lot to practice with. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he was so young. Um, but I think um, it gave me, more than anything, it gave me an intention mm-hmm. and it gave me a platform. And I think one of the really lovely things that... Um, the more I think about it, the more I realise how important it is, is um, this notion that children don't misbehave, that they behave to meet a need. Mm. And so any of their behaviour, it's been so helpful. So any misbehave, I, I don't even use that word. So any behaviour that they have, I um, try to step back from it to not take it personally because it's generally not about me it's about them getting their needs not getting their needs met that there's something underneath um that's causing the upset and um that you know they're whatever is upsetting them is that's the presenting problem underneath it there's something that's just not going well for them and so often that's been the case um, and if I'd not active listening listened, I wouldn't have found what was happening. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that idea, and, and that that can be like a huge game changer. I mean, for the mm. listener, if you're listening, this idea that children don't, don't misbehave is kind of a radical idea. If we are, you know, if we are, uh, you know, coming from that conventional sense, like we look and we say, you know, many, many parents say to me, like, uh, my child is manipulating me and, and all these different things. And, and you're saying, no, they're, they're trying to meet a need. Yeah. yeah. And, and if we think of it like that, then we stop blaming. And then we, if I stop blaming, if I stop thinking that, um, that you're pushing my button, that you're deliberately doing this to get at me, um, then I'm going to respond really differently. And, um, and yeah, so I'll stop being defensive. I'll open myself up to trying to understand them. And I think also it, it helps to have that sense of separateness so um, I can be really... 
Oh, I can't. I had some examples, but I, I, it's just gone out of my head. But if I can, um, if I can see what's happening for them, if I can note for myself that, oh yeah, this, um, I'm really not happy with being told that he hates me. I can deal with that another time. He, when my son, for example, says I really hate you, then I, um, I need to see that as an expression of his distress at that time and I think the other thing about that you know that children don't misbehave um, it's about noticing that their needs aren't met and then if whatever they're doing is interfering with us meeting our needs that's when that's when there's um, a disagreement or a conflict and that's when we can use those skills to work out the best way to overcome to get through that conflict so this is beautiful, Larissa. Thank you so much. So the you have talked about um, how do you how do you put this in practice with very young children, and that um, a lot of people are curious about that. Like, so how do I, you know, how do I listen actively, reflectively to my very young child who doesn't have many words? How do I use eye messages with my very young child? How do you, how do you do, you know, oh, you have different needs, say you have different needs for me, and what are your needs? What are my needs with a child that is so young? <laughs> it's a big question, right? It, it is. Um, and so because I've be, I have been noting down things from when they're really young, um, I think, look, when you take a baby home from hospital, we're told, well, you know, read to them. As soon as you take them home, start reading to them. And yet they can't focus. They can't focus more than like your face away. They don't know what you're reading. Um, and I think that this, what, what PET is doing is it's giving us language and at the same time it's giving our children language. If we don't talk to them, if we don't use the language, they can't learn it. We're not modelling it, they can't learn it. And I have, you know, so, and I think often, particularly active listening with little guys, like before when, when they're pre-verbal, we, we sort of automatically empathise with them and we active listen and, so when they're crying, we'll be doing, we'll be saying, oh, you're really sad, you're really uncomfortable, that looks awful, that your bottom looks so sore. Um, and then we might do some problem solving with them, like saying, let's make that better by, you know, let's, um, let's get you out of that nappy and put you into a clean one. So we're sort of problem solving and solving their um we're just, we talk about that and that's automatic. As they become verbal, I don't know why, but I reckon we, it seems like we sort of stopped doing that. So my experience has been that, and this has been the experience of many of the parents that have got young children and they start implementing these skills, is that once you start doing this with young children, we're teaching them at the same time and they can pick up the skills. So um when so for example my daughter was 20 months old and she was watching a pingu do you know pingu anyway this is a video <laughs> a children's video and I was in the other room and all of a sudden she started to cry and I came in and I assumed that she was sad 
So I said, oh, you're sad. Pingu made you really sad. And she looked at me and she said, no, not sad, <gasps> scared. Mm. So she was able to differentiate between sad and scared at 20 months. Mm. And um, I thought this was just an example and it's only because I've been saying, using these feeling words. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And the I messages, which is like when I say how I feel, what that's doing is it's asking our children to consider their behaviour and how that is on someone else. And so often, you, you, you know, people say, oh, children can't do that till they're seven. And I, if we don't give them the chance, of course not. But if we start giving them the chance from a young age to show us that they can empathize and consider and um and so i've um i can remember say um again i think this is my daughter at a younger age maybe two sort of saying oh um because she wanted to take the inside car you know the plastic car she wanted to take that outside and so you have to be a bit more demonstrative and um, use simpler language or their language, but still using words like frustrated and angry because how else are they going to know it if we don't use it, mm-hmm. if we don't teach it to them? So it was something she wanted to take the inside car outside. So I'm, I sort of say, oh, I'm worried that if you take that inside car outside, that all the wheels are going, the wheels are going to get dirt on them. So I point to the dirt on the wheels, pretend dirt. And then I said, and then when it comes inside, 
I'm going to have to vacuum. All the dirt's going to go on the carpet and I'm going to have to vacuum and I don't want to have to vacuum. Mm -hmm. And she just looks at me and she says, oh, dirty, and then brings the car back inside. Mm, that's so beautiful. I mean, because that's the thing. People don't think like a two-year-old can empathize with another because they are by nature so self-centered. I mean, that's how they should be, the, you know, but that's mm. so beautiful. You're, you're showing right there in that story how she can see that. She can understand that. And, and giving them the chance. Can I give you a third story? Yeah, yeah yes, please. I love these <laughs> stories. They're wonderful. <laughs> um. So this one, and this one's in, so I've done a series of three or four articles, I think, on my website in terms of, you know, when the child owns a problem, when, I, when I'm unhappy or when the parent's unhappy. And then this one is when both of us are unhappy. And this, um, this was a situation where I was at a friend's place and my daughter was 25 months old and she was playing with a friend who was also 25 months old. And they were just playing and the mom and I were sitting watching. And then um, let's say um, Holly, that's the friend, goes and sits on a little box just big enough for her bottom and she starts to read a book. And my daughter, who I'll say is Phoebe, um, it just continues to play. Then, Holly, then um, Holly gets up from her box and walks away. So my daughter immediately sits on the box and grabs Holly's book. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then Holly comes back and she starts pointing and her little mouth is downturned and she says, mine, mine. And my daughter looks at her defiantly and says, mine. <laughs> and Holly says, but mine, mine. And my daughter goes, mine. Meanwhile, um, Holly's um, mum and I are sort of looking and I'm saying, and I'm c- acutely conscious that Holly's mum knows that, A, I do this strange parenting pa- practice. <laughs> and worse than that, I teach it. So, <laughs> so, so um Anyway, my daughter doesn't change. So I stand up very reluctantly and go over there and try to mediate because in PET we sort of talk about mediating rather than saying, right, you did, rather than being judge and jury in terms of children that are having a conflict, we looked at, look at mediating. So I say to my daughter, ah, oh, I can see you really like reading that book. I'm worried. Look, Holly's really sad. She's really sad because that's her box and you're reading her book. And my daughter just shakes her head and says, mine. Oh, you're really liking reading Holly's book and, and sitting on her box. And my daughter nods her head. And then I repeat it. And nothing changes. Mm -hmm. And at this stage, I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? Because they're only 25 months old. There's no way they can go into problem solving. But I have nothing else in my, that that I can think of. Well, I could have gone into um, modifying the environment, giving her something else to do perhaps. But I didn't do that. And at that point, I just thought, right, I've only got one other tool and that's problem solving. I've got nothing to lose. So I said to my daughter, 
Do you have any ideas how both you and Holly can be happy? And she brightens up, sits up straight, and she points to this to like about an inch beside her on the box. And she said, yes, Holly, next. Holly, next. Oh, so you'd like Holly to sit next to you on the box so you can both be on the box and read the book. Yes. And I looked at Holly and I said, would you be happy with that? And she said, yes. So they both busily tried to get one cheek each on the box. <laughs> and, and then they were off. And I think, um, anyway, so for me, that's an example of, and what I found all the time is that the pet skills help me see what, how much I underestimated my children. Mm -hmm. So if I give them, if we don't give them the opportunity, we'll never see. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. How... Like if you had jumped in and said, I have to solve this problem. I have to mm -hmm. control everything. I have mm -hmm. to kind of be in, you know, control of this situation. You had never given them the chance and they never would have, like you would have never thought both of these children will like squeeze on this tiny little box. I mean, I love that. I love those examples of how kids come up with ways to meet everybody's needs and solve their problems because it's always it's never like what we think it's going to be mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely that's great it's, can I give you another one sure yeah <laughs> these are I love these examples because it takes it out of just like oh maybe that'll work for you or maybe that made that sounds all well and good but you know this these are the things people think this is you know that sounds all well and good but this is real life and I have to use threatening I have to use punishment and you know a lot what you're demonstrating here is that taking a moment to what you're first doing is taking a moment to pause and kind of step back into yourself and, and not be so reactive. And then just taking a moment to, and what you're really talking about is, is acting out of trust rather than yep. fear. Like you're giving them a chance and you're giving them this trust, but you're, you're give, please do give me another story because you're putting it into real world context, which is really um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think it's about trusting your children. And particularly with iMessages, um, people say, well, they're not going to change. Why would they do that? Why, they don't even care what, they, what I feel. And um, for me, it's about trusting your children to care because what's in it for them to have you angry with them all the time? What's in it for them to have you ostracised from them? Um, that, that their whole future and their whole lives is invested in their relationship with you. They, they do care. And I just want to interject here because people don't trust that, you know, and it takes time, especially if a, a child has kind of been raised conventionally for them to trust you again. Um, but it's amazing also then once you get into the pattern and the habit of that and you're all, it, it really can positively snowball in a really beautiful way. And I just want to say that from my own life, it really make it gets easier and easier. as time. Yep. Okay. So share your story. <laughs> yeah. oh, got a zillion of them, but this one, this one's more just really just about the power of modeling. And then mm. I can give you another one that's actually in the pet book if you want. But um, so this one's just the power of modeling. And it's just about my son um, who about, and he was about four. So we go to the, the kids go to preschool here when they're about four and then they go to school, kindergarten 
age five. So anyway, he was at preschool and they had a cubby house up the back of the school. And at the end of the year, the preschool teacher came to me and she said um, that she and her assistant had noticed that but normally every year they spend a lot of time in the cubby house sorting out squabbles between kids because, you know, they're playing with dolls or whatever they're playing with in the cubby house. And they noticed at the end of the year, they independently noticed that they didn't spend, they hadn't spent as much time sorting out the difficulties. And they'd realised that my son would go, he'd be playing in the cubby house and the kids would start to argue and he'd say, oh, oh, so you're unhappy about this. So what would you, what ideas could you come up with where you could both be happy? And so he was mediating these, his friends' arguments. Wow. Um, that is so cool. Oh, my gosh. So it, and it's in, it interests me because that, that he was a single child too. So he's just taken that from, I suppose, he's just learned that from our interactions. And it's interesting because when you see a lot of kids with with interact with each other, we what we see as bad behavior is often them modeling or reflecting the behavior that's around them, which is ordering and commands. Don't do that. Do this. Ba ba ba. You know. And we don't. And oftentimes we don't see it as a reflection of what's you know in our lives. So that's that's really cool. Oh my gosh, Larissa, it's amazing. I, I love um, your, you know, you have now sort of years of um, experience looking at this and seeing this and, and seeing this whole other way and experiencing it, you know, in your own life very intimately and very personally. And I'm wondering now, you know, kind of going back to your son being older, your daughter being a teenager, you know, with that perspective of time and age, you know, how has that, how has it, how do you think, you know, you, it has affected your life kind of in the bigger picture and how has it, how has it shifted things for you in the bigger picture? Um, in terms of my relationship with my children or in terms of my children, like for me, it was a whole life changing. So I became an instructor and, um, but also my whole work process and writing sort of revolved around this. In terms of my children, um, I think we, we have a really good relationship and honest, honest and caring at the same time and I'm not going to shy away from saying friendship mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's and respectful and we will apologise if we need to. Um, and interesting, I'm, and I know you're talking about children but you've talked about, you asked about life in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I've also really found useful is um, I'm in the sandwich generation so I've also got older parents um, and I found they, these skills have been incredibly useful in terms of um, being a carer mm-hmm. and so... Um, my so my mother died um I don't know for a few months ago but prior to that she had dementia Mm -hmm. and really the skills were incredibly helpful for um work for being trying to help my mum through her confusion particularly the listening 
Um, so I can remember ringing up one time and her carer was beside himself um, because she'd been awake since one o'clock, confused, wandering around the house, really upset. And, um, and even on the phone. So first of all, I listened to her carer to sort of say, well, how hard it was for him and how frustrated it was for him. And then he put my mum on. And I just said to her, wow, mum, sounds like you're really frustrated. There's something just on the edge of your mind and you just can't grab it and you just don't know what to do. And, you know, just even through the phone, I could hear her say, yes, I'm so anxious. I just don't know. And then, and then she started to, she, uh, she could put sentences together at that time. But, um, yeah, the relief um, mm. to be heard, it was, it was quite astonishing. And, and, and what was also interesting was that my daughter, she was um, um, younger then, she was actually listening to the conversation and she said to me something like, oh, wow, Mum, I can see how that active listening worked really well with Grandma. So it's the modelling, but it's putting these skills into practice across the board. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. I found it really useful. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 again, go back to saying I'm really not perfect. And sometimes I, you know, I have pride and I'll, I have to wait for a little bit before I'm, um, maybe not with my children, but perhaps with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, I hope that in general those relationship skills have helped me across the board in all my relationships. That's so cool. That's so cool. So you you can find um, Larissa's blog at parentskills.com.au uh, because she's in Australia, obviously. And uh, Larissa, I'd love for you to, um, I'd love to just end with, you know, if you have any kind of ask for the listener or the audience like if you have any kind of like one step that they could take as they kind of take take what you have offered and and kind of incorporate this learning into their life like is there one thing one step or one um thing they could take into their lives what would you say that might be I'd say um, don't take your children's behavior personally take Mm -hmm. it seriously Yes. Ah, oh, that is so, so beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast, Larissa. I really appreciate your time. And now I can send you off to bed way up late. Yeah. <laughs> the birds will be singing soon. <laughs> thank you, Hunter. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And, and um, thank you to your listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I love Larissa's stories. Aren't they amazing? I'm really going to take away that advice on mediating conflict with toddlers and that whole idea that children don't misbehave. It's really important. Let's stop taking this so personally, people, right? Like that's a big thing. And then finally, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate your presence. I appreciate you watering the seeds and helping to be part of this Mindful Mama tribe to transform things for 
the next generation. It's amazing. So I'm just thrilled that you are here and that we get to connect in this way. Thank you so much. And I wish you a beautiful week. Namaste. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.